0: Uh, I'm excited, uh, not that Joe is gone, but I think think one of the favorite books uh, that I have read uh, that has really challenged me, especially in the area of missions, in the area of of being active uh, for Christ, and that is the book of Acts. Now, a a lot of uh, theologians feel that uh, Acts is basically a historical book written to find and see and study the aspect of the founding of the church. But there's so much more in the book of Acts. You know, when I read the book of Acts, it encouraged me and got me excited about the fact of missions. And I know some of you are looking to go on the mission field and to serve the Lord. And so when I look at the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles. We watch the church uh, uh, the birth of the church, and we start watching it grow. And so as I was looking at that, I thought, this is the book I'd like to share a little bit with you about, and basically that's what I'm going to be doing, is I'm going to be doing a, a lot of sharing from my heart, and I hope from my heart to your heart. Now we look at the, the first two verses in chapter 1, where he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, the apostles whom he had chosen. When I look at this, I realize that Luke is, is, is an intellect. Uh, Luke is one who who likes to, to, to write and likes to research. We talked about Luke not too long ago, and we said Luke is almost like Sherlock Holmes. He, he, he's a biographer. Uh, he's a historian. But his biography and his history uh, and the research that he's writing is so much deeper than just what we would read uh, in a biography or in a history book, because it was God breathed into him to share the truth. And he writes to a man by the name of Theophilus. When we look at this, we realize he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke 1, 1-4, he says, Inasmuch as many have under, undertaken to compile the narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good for me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent, guess what? Theophilus. Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. You see, what what, what Luke is saying here is he starts out by saying uh, that, that he had written two works, and one is the, the Gospel of Luke, and the other is the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. He says, many have undertaken the writing of the life of Jesus Christ. Now we know Matthew, Mark, and John wrote, but here comes Luke, and and, and Luke was probably not even there uh, when all these things were happening with Jesus, but he comes along and he says, I want to take time to write an orderly treatise on the life of Christ. So when we look at this, we realize what he's saying here, he probably consulted the Gospels. Luke's goal was not to produce another biography of Jesus. He wanted the truth, and he wanted to lay it out there. He says here, accomplish. He says, things that have been accomplished among us. The word accomplish here is an intensive compound word that indicates complete fulfillment The redemption plan of God. So he comes along and he says, I'm writing to you, Theophilus. Now, the word Theophilus, so the name of Theophilus, uh, a lot of us are saying, a lot of people say, well, there was really a guy by the name of Theophilus. But when I look at this, I realize that the word Theophilus means lover of God. It's a compound word. Lover of God. So when I look at this and I start writing and reading the book of Luke, and, 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 and then I go into the book of Acts and I start studying it, I often sit down and say, he is writing to me and I am a Theophilus. I'm a lover of God. I want to learn as much as I can learn about what God is laying out for me. And God chose Luke to write it. He was a companion of Paul, and he followed Paul. And guys, when I look at Luke, I realize that what he's writing down here is he's saying, I researched everything. He says here, uh, in Luke, he says, uh, ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So many people had shared with him, but I believe he probably went out and did the research. All things closely. He says, I didn't just pick up anybody and, and, and just sit down and say, well, what do you think, or 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 were you, maybe what you heard. He, I believe he talked to people that came in contact with Jesus. <clears throat> I believe that he searched everything. He says here, an orderly account. You see, a lot of people have written, but no one has written an orderly account except for the Gospels. And I'm going to write an orderly account for you. So his heart was for us. And that's why he is writing this orderly account for us. And that's why we need to study the word of God. But what about Acts? Acts points us to men of action. Acts points us to doers of the gospel. Acts points us to men on the march. The title alone suggests movement. Acts of the Apostles. Or we could say, with us, Acts of His disciples. It shares the first principle of a disciple. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. When I look at this and that is the the disciple is a man uh, uh, the word disciple means follower a follower. And so when I look at this I realize that God has called me to follow him and to follow him <coughs> closely. We are to be ready ready verbally to preach the word when it's convenient or when it's not convenient. What made the men of action, when I when, when I read this the first time, is that they walked three years with the one who was a doer and the one who was a teacher. All that Jesus began to do and to teach, as we read in Acts 1, 1 and 2. You know, when I look at this in Acts one eight, he says, but you shall be filled with the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses. Witnesses. I really believe sometimes we really fall short in witnessing, don't we? We're such timid people. We're so afraid that if, if someone hears us sharing our faith, that they may not be our friends anymore. And so we keep quiet. Uh, we're fearful of what people may think. We're fearful of what maybe people may do. You know, I look at this and I realize that in our walk with the Lord, we need to be men and women of action. Witnesses for, for me, and this is Jesus talking in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Theophilus, lover of God. Guys, I love my wife. I love her so much. See, I'm married to a, a really foxy lady. She is not now gorgeous. She loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all of her heart. She's there for my children. She's there for my grandchildren. She's always there to be a support to me and to pray for me. She goes to India with me. She goes to Europe with me on missions trips. She goes through India on 180 degrees working with children. Her heart is that she's in love with Jesus, and that love for Jesus reflects back upon me because God tells her, love your husband. When I look at this, I realize that the love that that I share, and I love talking about my wife. I love talking about her. I love showing her off. I love people looking at her and knowing that she is an example of what a godly woman is, and I love talking about her. Well, but what about Jesus? Are you a Theophilus? Are you a lover of God? Do you talk to people about Jesus and share him with others? Are you embarrassed? Ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I look at this, and, 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 and so often I think of Jim Elliott, and, and, and a question I'm going to ask you, and on Tuesday, <clears throat> I want you to come with an answer in your life. When has your faith in Jesus Christ been encouraged by words of others? I want you to answer that on Tuesday. When... Has your faith in Jesus Christ been encouraged by the words of others? One of the ones that have encouraged me so much is Jim Elliot and Elizabeth Elliot. I believe that the one person who has has made the biggest impact in my life, a person, was Jim Elliot. He's the one that said he is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. As I read his diary and saw a young man whose heart was burning for a tribe in, 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 in the jungles of Ecuador and willing to give everything to reach that tribe that God has called, had called him to reach. The same tribe that massacred him And four other missionaries. He says here, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for you, O Lord. And I read that in the diary. I kept thinking, am I letting that burn inside of me? I look and see what God has done in my life. I was accepted under New Tribes Missions, but I wound up at Liberty University to reach the savages there. (laughs) Guys, when I look at this, he says, light these idol sticks of my life that I may burn for you, O Lord. I do not desire a long life, but a full one like yours. Jim Elliott died at the age of 32. Serving the Lord. When I, when I look at these men of faith, first of all, and I'll have handouts for you after this week, but number one, they believed in Christ and they were fearless. They believed in Christ and they were fearless. These apostles. Verse three, it says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while saying with them, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Don't we have a hard time waiting sometimes? It says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint to wait. I've talked to missionaries that are trying to get their, their, their mission support, and sometimes it's coming in, and sometimes it doesn't. But eventually it does, and they go, and God says, wait. Wait, prepare yourself. I met a missionary that was working in a Muslim country for 20 years and had not one convert in Christ. He retired from the mission field and someone came over to take over his ministry. And two weeks after that missionary was there, he led a man to Christ, but he led it because of the seed that the other missionary had planted, and that missionary felt, am I a failure? No, he wasn't. God tells us to be faithful and to plant. He says, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had had come together. They asked him, can you imagine? <clears throat> he had been crucified, and now here he is with them. Here he is with them. And they could ask questions. Wouldn't it be great if I'm standing here and I say, oh, wait a minute, wait. Jesus just walked in the back door. Uh, Jesus, I'll let you have a little time after I'm done. <laughs> I don't think so. I would say, here, here it is, Lord. You take over. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Can you imagine? He was lifted up. Wow. And the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee. Why do you stand looking into heaven? Sometimes I wonder if God looks at us and, and he says, why are you standing here doing nothing? Why? Get moving. Get moving. Don't be staring. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Get active. Get moving. Go to Jerusalem, which he told you to do. Acts 1.3. The Bible says that when we looked at this, <clears throat> what did he do? He showed himself to these men. They knew that this was not a fraud. What man would give his life for what isn't true? He showed himself to them. Guys, when I look at this, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering. He offered them many proofs, the Bible says. In John 20, 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in the book. John says that there were so many signs that he did that, that, that they're not even written in the book. There were so many. There were so many. He did this, and he did this, and he did this, and, and there's just so many. We, we, we just can't record them. In John 20, 19, what's so fascinating is he entered a room where the doors were locked. It says, on the evening... On that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. You know, I shared with you, my wife has so many locks on our door. We have chain locks, bolt locks, uh, uh, padlocks. Uh, I'm waiting for her to get maybe one of those big boards that you put down on the door. And we'd be sitting in the living room and she's drinking her tea and I'm drinking my coffee and all of a sudden there's Jesus and how, how did you get in here? I just, I just walked in. just walked straight through. In Luke 24, 39, he showed them his crucified, crucifixion wounds. He says, see my hands? Uh, Look at my feet. That is I myself. Not a phony and not a fake. It is me. Touch me. Wow. And see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? We, we have a lawyer here. And if we went to court and I was going to prove that Jesus, Jesus existed, I, I would have more witnesses than two. All these things were laid out. Listen, in Luke 24, 41 and 43, guess what? He ate and drank with his apostles. He sat down and he and he ate with them. <laughs> you imagine the Lord going to how about you grill with you? Sitting here talking. And I'd say, Boy, I wish I, w- I wish there was fried chicken. He'd go, Oh, here in the basket. Here's some fish and bread. <laughs> you know? Wow. He was seen by many. Listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8. Listen, listen. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than, than 500 brothers and at one time, and most of whom are, are still alive. They're, they're still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and, and last of all, as to one untimely born, which is me. Guys, it appeared to Cephas, and then twelve, and then five hundred, and then James, the brother of Jesus, and then the apostles, and then Paul, and oh my gosh, I have so many witnesses. There's more proof that Jesus raised from the grave than most of the courts that agree when they have two witnesses. Wow. Listen. Acts 1, 3 again. Jesus shared that with his coming, he inaugurated the kingdom of God, and this would remain in their hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He inaugurated it. Kingdom living, (laughs) I love kingdom living. Well, let's go on. Acts 1, 4 to 8. Here we see that the Lord shares his trinity. When we looked at that, what did it say? He's talking, and and then he talks about God the Father, and then he talks about the Holy Spirit. We see the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, why? And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. There's God the Father. Okay. Which he said, you heard from me, (laughs) God the Son. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And, of course, he goes on and talks about that. So here we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, right there. People say, I don't believe in the Trinity. Say, Pastor Dane talked about it, right there. And Luke talked about it, it's there. Not only that, Acts 1, 9 to 11, he says that he will return again. He will return again. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And what did the angels say as he's gone? That's the way he's going to come. Guys, he's he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back for me. I hope he's coming back for you. I hope you know the Lord. Because I can't wait, man. And when I go to heaven, man, when he's taking me up, guess what? I'm going to have hair. It's going to grow right off the top of my head. And, you know, I'm going to be thin. And I ain't going to buy skinny jeans. But, I, I, you know, I'm going to be thin, man. You know, it's going to be great going to heaven. And you know what? I like to eat. And when I get to heaven, I can eat as much as I want. And I'm going to stay thin. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah. Guys, it's, he's coming back. Now, number two, first one we've talked about was they believed in in Christ and were fearless. Number two, we see faith and action in their lives. We see faith and action in their lives. Now, what is a disciple? We said a disciple is one who follows Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about follow, you follow so close to him that you don't see me, but you see him. The disciple is one who patterns his life after another. I pattern my life after Jesus Christ. What are the principles of discipleship? Acts points to men of action. He says we are to be ready to share our faith without whenever and wherever we can. Second Timothy two says preach the word. Be it in season and out of season, he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. I am, you I, know, I, I, you know, I, you know, people talk about friendship evangelism, you know, and 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 that sounds nice, you know, friendship evangelism. I want to be a friend to someone to lead him to Christ, but for many people, that's a cop out. That's a cop-out. Friendship evangelism. Guys, I need to verbally talk to others about Jesus. I need to tell them the truth. If you're using the excuse friendship evangelism, it's a cop-out, dudes. It really is. So I have a friend. Well, I'm going to tell them about Jesus someday. And then all of a sudden, like I had a student in my office not too long ago, who had a friend who committed suicide. And he said, I was always, always going to tell them about Jesus, but I never really did. I said, what do you think when you're standing before the Lord and you see that friend? The Lord said, I never knew you. Just think if you would think about it and imagine what if he turned around and say, "Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Why didn't you tell me about Jesus, guys?" Not only that, the worth of an individual, verses one to four, the worth of an individual. You know, we've we've gotten to a place because because who's he's writing to now? Now he's writing to Theophilus. So basically, in a sense, he's writing to us, but individually. One person, Theophilus. When I look at this, I need to understand the importance of reaching out to people and the worth of an individual of one person. We, we, we live in a day and an age where we have a lot of celebrity pastors and evangelists, celebrities. If you try to talk to them, you got to go through their handlers. They don't have time because they're always putting on a little bit of a show. Some of them are good, and some of them preach the word of God, but you try to get with them. I had one fella that we had at Liberty, and I never tell you who he is, but he's a real well-known speaker. I never met such an arrogant man in all of my life. And people could not get to be with him. Because you'd never had time for an individual. You know what kills me is sometimes people come along and say, where you were out speaking, how did it go? It was, Jeff, it was great. I mean, I mean, we even had to get chairs to fill in the back. That's how great it was. I mean, the church was packed. Huh. Then all of a sudden you talk to somebody else and you say, How was the meeting? It was horrible. It's horrible. There's hardly anybody there. There's maybe 20 people there. I mean, we wanted at least two or three hundred, but, but there was only 20. It's only 20. How sad that we get into a, a place you know, when, when maybe we're talking to 20 people. What was so disastrous? Did, out of those 20 people, did anyone go away with a determination to pray more? was some idea of how to go about it. Did anyone leave with a desire to memorize Scripture and a plan to go about it? Did anybody leave on fire for Christ? You only had 10, but out of those 10, if they were on fire enough, I looked at them. And the end of you know, the worth of an individual is like spending time with an individual and working with them and loving them and talking. Who cares? You guys, you guys are, many of you are going to be gone over the summer. There's only going to be a handful here. And I'm not going to come here and say, oh, there's only 10 people here. Why am I coming on Sunday nights? Because you 10 are the 10 that God wants here. And if one or two come, saying, well, it depends on the one. But no. <laughs> Not really, okay? Guys, when I look at this, I realize that we gotta be on fire for Jesus. I am so excited about my faith in Christ. And I'm so excited about the individuals that I have in my office. And some of you that are sitting here come to my office once a week and we sit and we talk and we go through scripture. And guys, let me tell you the worth of an individual. It gets me really excited. Here in my arms stand straight up. My heart beats faster. Guys, the worth of an individual. When I look at this, I realize that all of a sudden he comes along. And he says, but you would receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And a little bit later, we're going to look more at the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Do you know what? Dr. Falwell went to Baptist Bible College, and, uh, and when he went, he went to a church, and, and um, it's in Missouri, and he went to uh, the, the youth pastor of the church, and he said, look, uh, I, I want to teach Sunday school. I, I really want to do something. I want to minister. And uh, the youth pastor said, Okay. He said, I have a Sunday school class of teenage boys. He said, I'll give you a corner in one of the rooms, and you take those boys and you work with them. Dr. Falwell met the first week, and there was only one boy there. Next week, still one boy. Dr. Falwell went to the pastor, and he said, look, he said, there's only one coming, and I, 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 I don't think I can do this. Just, and so it's just one boy. And the pastor looked at him and he said, you know, Falwell, I figured you'd be a guy that would give up. Figured you'd give up. Now, if you say, Dr. Falwell, you're going to give up, forget it. <laughs> That's a challenge. He went back to the school. And he asked the dean if he could have a room, a room, a dorm room that was empty, and if he could meet in that room for prayer. And he started praying. He started praying. He went back and said, Pastor, I want, I want that class. Can I have it back? He said, what, are you going to quit again? He goes, no, I'm not going to quit. And that Sunday school class started to grow. Because the worth of that one individual. When I became a youth pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Outsuna, Pennsylvania, I had about 12 in senior high. And they were characters. And I thought, what did I do? I should have gone on the mission filled with new tribes. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. And I started to pray and I said, God, here's what I want. Give me two people. Two students, a girl and a boy, that I can invest in. Just two. Just two. The next day I was sitting in my office and a young man came into my, my office and Bill Lockard. And he came in and he said, Pastor Dane, he said, you know, he said, uh, you've been teaching Sunday school, and I want to know and learn more about Jesus. When he left, I said, Thank you, Lord, that's my boy. Next day, Rhonda Sydney comes in to my office. Now, understand, these people are in their 50s now. She came in, and I said, there's my girl. And I started to invest in those two individuals. I started to watch them grow. Bill Lockhart pastors a huge church in Delaware. Rhonda is a nurse missionary in the jungles of Ecuador. And I started to pour into those, two, And then it started to grow. When I left the church, I averaged 250 in senior high alone. The worth of an individual. The worth of an individual. Now, next, they followed the Lord's instructions. They followed the Lord's instructions. He draws their attention from the future to the present. Okay, you're looking at the kingdom, sending up the kingdom, blah, 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 but let's, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the present, he says. And and, and he left them with all consuming vocational witnessing. Here's what you need to do. And they were to turn their attention to the most important activity in their life, and that was bearing the name of Jesus Christ to those next door. to those in the uttermost parts of the world. They were to be like pebbles dropped in a pond. Next, they obeyed when he said, go and tell. They filled Jerusalem with the doctrines of the word. They moved into Judea, and then they moved into Samaria and heard the message from Philip. Then Peter was used to bring Cornelius, the first Gentile convert, to Christ. Then Paul carried the message to the outermost parts of the world. Our response to come unto me of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, should also become the responsibility to obey, to go ye into all the world. Are we going into all the world? How many are, are, anybody here studying to be a nurse or a doctor? Okay. How about a school teacher? Okay. Health person. Exercise science. Ah, uh, business. Yeah. Some. Psychologist. Oh, yeah. I'll come and see you afterwards. <laughs> God's called and called us to reach the uttermost parts of the world. So we looked at one, we looked at two. Number three, they believed in the Holy Spirit's power. They believed in the Holy Spirit's power. Listen, when I look at this, I realize the importance that, that, that I say, how can I reach people for Christ? How can I reach out? By the Holy Spirit. I always thank God for Luke, a man of God who had the needs of the world burning in his heart. Yet he was consumed with the importance of the individual and his needs. He let the Holy Spirit guide and to lead. Purity of life I find in their lives, verses 4 and 5. Luke invites us to listen to the intimate, quiet conversation between the risen Lord and his closest followers. He says here, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them the command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My father has promised. Notice that God doesn't say go to Jerusalem and by Saturday or Saturday in two weeks, uh, uh, uh this gift I'm going to give you, which was the Holy Spirit, uh, and then it's going to come. Why do you think he didn't tell them exactly when? I think that if he told them exactly when, they'd probably just be messing around and doing hiking and going on a picnic and doing things and 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 well the lord's not coming for two more weeks so you know what i mean i'm 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 going to go bush gardens you know have a good time and you know i'll do this and that and i'll get my act together uh since he's coming saturday i could get my act together on friday and get all that worked out <laughs> he didn't tell them when he didn't tell them when And now they're preparing themselves for this gift. They obeyed. They obeyed. And they followed. Listen, when I see this, if they knew when the gift was coming, they probably would have wasted time. We never know, guys, when the Lord is coming back, do we? So we need to live the life as one who is waiting for his return. The two men dressed in white says, why do you stand there? Get busy, get your act together. He's challenging us. The hope that he would come again motivated his disciples to be ready for his return. And what did they do? They devoted themselves to prayer and praying and getting themselves ready. We see a witnessing strategy here. Number four, they believed in the urgency of the task. The urgency of the task. Verses 16 to 23. He lays out to them and he tells them and they get excited about it. And the urgency of the task. The task of world evangelism cannot be carried out at our leisure. Why are churches empty today? Why are we not seeing missionaries going out and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why do we always want to be entertained instead of being challenged? I like contemporary music, but we get so caught up that the music is what we worship and not the Savior, which the music is talking about. The hope For the world is you. You young people. Not my age. And it's dying. And Islam is growing. Guys, I'm telling you, when I look to see what's happening in the world today, I'm saying, where are the Christians? Where are the salt? And where's the light? Where's the preservative? Guys, we've got to get excited. And, And I'm telling you, if we got excited and started to move out, we would start packing this building out and we'd have to look for another church building to meet. Are you witnessing? Are you telling people about Jesus? The devil eagerly awaits to capture for eternity, all who enter Christ, a Christless grave. You know what? He's defeated. <laughs> He's defeated. He's going to he, he be cast into the lake of fire. And he wants to take as many as he can with him. So he says to himself, if I can get you guys to be lazy and not sharing Christ with others, guess what? I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. You see, if you talk about Jesus and you start winning people to Jesus, guess what? He's not going to have as many going along with him. Why are we keeping our mouths shut? Well, I, I, I really... Uh. I really, you know, sometimes I don't know a lot of scripture and ah, oh, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's not me coming up to it, it's it's coming down to me and I just receive it. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm, when I watched the Lord work and, and, and I, I've been into a lot of countries and, and, and I saw how God worked and, and what he did. And guys, we started off with talking about Jim Elliott. And let me tell you, his wife, Elizabeth, who prayed and knew that her husband had been massacred by these individuals. And in June 2015, the Lord took her home. Here was a woman that prayed for this tribe that they would come to know Jesus. And she didn't know how she could reach that tribe until she was in uh, working in Ecuador and teaching. And, and a young girl by the name of Deuma, who was a young lady in that tribe that escaped with her little brother. because No, it was a little sister because they were going to, in that tribe, they would bury babies alive. They would keep the boys but if they had too many girls they would dig a hole and they would they would bury the baby alive and they would just stand over it until they couldn't hear anything anymore and she took her her little sister because she knew if her father got home the father would kill the baby and she ran for her life and wound up in a in in in, in Quito Ecuador Elizabeth Elliot started to work with her and started to teach her. And, and, and the girl came to know Jesus Christ. And the thing was, is they got into that tribe because of the worth of an individual, a little Indian girl by the name of Dayuma. And they got into the tribe. Peter Fleming's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, and Rachel Saint, they started to reach that tribe for Christ. Why? Because they spent time with this little Indian girl. And I remember seeing it on television when they baptized her. And understand, when I was growing up, the day that those missionaries died, they announced it in the public school. And, and, and a week later, when they did a memorial service, they played the memorial service from Ecuador and all the public schools. And they went in to reach the Alkis. three women, two children, and Deuma. Within the matter of years, everyone in that village accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Indian that killed Nate Saint became the pastor in that tribe. And that that Indian baptized Nate Saint's son Steve at the location where he had killed Steve's father. Five years ago, they were at Liberty University. And Steve Saint came and he brought Papa with him. And this Indian got up and gave his testimony. He said. We came to know Jesus as our Savior. And we changed our names from Alka, which meant warrior, to Anani, which means Christ followers. Hmm. Acts of the apostles. Acts of the disciples. Guys, we're going to have a great time. In the book of Acts. But if we're not coming just to have a great time. I'm praying that we will be challenged. To walk the walk. And see the worth of an individual.